BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Democrats in Milwaukee. The progress we've made is notable. And Republicans in Madison. I think it's a big win for everyone. Finally talking compromise. In fact, uh, it is unprecedented in modern history. Thanks to a $7 billion surplus in the state budget. Your local government will get more to invest in police, fire, EMS, roads. A proposed boost in shared revenue comes with plenty of strings attached. Anything that's proposed for the city of Milwaukee will be like holding a loaded gun to our head. This week on Open Record, why public policy experts say the city of Milwaukee may not have a choice. From the Foxic Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson, and I'm joined by a couple of special guests today. I'm really excited to have them on Open Record. First, I want to welcome Rob Henkin to the podcast. He is president of Wisconsin Policy Forum. Welcome to Open Record, Rob. Thanks so much for having me. And we are also joined today by Jerry DeShane, executive director of the League of Wisconsin Municipalities. Thank you for sharing your time with us today, Jerry. Oh, you're welcome, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here. We are recording this episode on Thursday, May 4th. And you guys are here literally minutes before the Wisconsin State Assembly's Committee on Local Government is holding a pretty big public hearing on a proposal to change the state's formula for sharing tax revenue with counties, cities, towns, and villages. Before we talk about that proposal, I want to start with uh, really what is shared revenue? Because Wisconsin has a long history and we talk about it a lot. I think we say it on the news. And sometimes I wonder, do the folks at home really know what this is and why it exists in the first place. Maybe, Rob, I don't know if you're best to start there, but whichever one of you would like to jump in, what is shared revenue and why do we have it? Yeah, so I can start and Jerry can certainly fill in uh, any details that I miss. But very broadly speaking, this is something that was created uh, more than 100 years ago when Wisconsin became, I believe, the first state to have uh, an, an income tax. And so one of the real important features of the state's creation of the income tax way back then was that the state government said, we are going to best this authority in ourselves. And in doing so, we are going to prohibit local units of government from using the income tax as a tool to fund their services. And we're going to agree that a substantial portion of the income tax revenues that we collect we will redistribute those back to local units of governments, both uh, municipalities and counties. And so that's where the notion of sharing comes into play. State collects the revenue from the in income tax and shares some portion of that with local units of government. And for many, many years, uh, that whole paradigm worked relatively well. And there was a very important component there where as state income tax collections grew, the shares that went back to local governments also grew. And I would add that that principle, that paradigm also existed when the state uh, enacted its sales tax and similarly said, we're going to vest that authority in ourselves, restrict 
uh, municipalities and counties from using the sales tax. The one exception is in the early 90s, they did agree to allow counties to levy up to a half cent sales tax. So that's where the sharing comes into play. And the problem that, that, that has been growing now, however, over more than two decades is that in the mid-1990s, this principle of sharing went away. And instead of seeing those that, that redistribution grow as the state's collections grew, it became subject to budgetary appropriations, which were essentially frozen in large measure because other higher priorities emerged for state government. So Jerry, how did he do? Fill in any gaps if there are any. That's the great thing about having someone as, as intelligent and well-studied as Rob with something like this. I can just sit here and say, yeah, what he said. Um, you know, a couple of other just highlights. Rob is absolutely right on all the details. And what it really highlights is the paying for cops, paying for firefighters, paying to have your snow plowed has never been a local government on your own kind of deal. It's a partnership. It was always, it's been intended that way since 1911 when they did the the income tax deal. The founders of Wisconsin, the legislature of Wisconsin, and even the people of Wisconsin, because the income tax went to a statewide referendum, said, no, state, local, share. Where we fell off the tracks 20, 30 years ago was we started focusing on school aides. We started focusing on prisons, the UW system, and... Um, frankly, Medicaid. These are really big, really important needs that they look to the state for. And we just kind of forgot about police, fire, snow plowing. I mean, all of these other meat and potatoes things that you rely on every day, Brian, to get to work and, you know, to keep your people safe. We just forgot about that as a priority. And, and the reason we're doing cartwheels today is the governor, the Senate, and the assembly have all agreed, yeah, this is a priority, and yeah, this is something we have to address. Well, when it comes to sharing revenue with local governments, obviously the biggest local government in Wisconsin is the city of Milwaukee. They get the biggest share of that shared revenue. Um, and and I, I wonder how much this, especially in recent years, has played into some of the tensions as you've got a legislature that has been uh, dominated by Republicans and you have a city of Milwaukee that's run by elected officials who are Democrats. Has that played into some of the tension over playing nice, over sharing this revenue? No, partisan politics never plays a role in state budgets. How could you even? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm being almost hysterically ironic here. Yes, of course. That, that, has, that has played a role in making the solution more difficult to achieve. Because as you point out, Milwaukee is far and away the biggest local government in Wisconsin. In any shared revenue funding package, Milwaukee is going to get far and away the biggest slice of the pie. There are the most people there, the most businesses there, the most needs are there. And for a Republican from Northeast Wisconsin, she's going to look at that, scratch her head and say, what's in this for me? Thankfully, luckily, uh, there is a Republican senator from Northeast Wisconsin, her name is Mary Felskowski, who has figured out that as Milwaukee goes, so goes Wisconsin. We simply cannot let our flagship city suffer. You, you can't do it. If you want to see what happens, let me take you to Detroit. We don't want to be there. I would just add very quickly, Brian, you know, one of the interesting things is that each side can make a valid point. The 
legislature, particularly those from outside of Milwaukee, can cite the $225 million or so of shared revenue that comes back to Milwaukee and say, that's a lot of money. And look at how generous we are to the city of Milwaukee. And there's no doubt that is a very generous commitment. Um, but then city leaders can legitimately say, yes, but you have set up a structure for us that uh, restricts to a huge degree, more than virtually every other state, our ability to raise revenues on our own. You've made us reliant on this source of revenue. And while $225 million is a lot of money, that amount of money has not budged in nominal terms for 25 years. So that's the crux of the of the issue. Is it kind of like saying, you know, you can you can get an allowance and it's a generous allowance, but you can't go get a job to, to make money on your own? It, it's it's like saying that as well as and and by the way, that allowance, despite what inflation is and how your needs are growing, uh, that's not going to grow over so we're talking, and, and Ajir, you said something about you know doing cartwheels. Obviously, there's been progress. There's something happening right now, and 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 I want to get to why because uh, the state of Wisconsin is swimming in money right now, a surplus projected of seven billion dollars, and yet all these local governments are saying we are facing potentially drastic cuts. And the city of Milwaukee, with its looming pension crisis, is saying. There's all sorts of drastic cuts that could come if there's not a solution agreed upon here. Why is the state doing so well and, you know, rolling in money, bags of money, while the, the local governments are struggling? I, I think Rob Pink and the expert can answer that question. It's because the system's broken. Yeah, and it's it, it's actually, it's it's quite instructive because one would expect that as a government's revenue sources grow with inflation, that that would generate the resources needed for them to keep up with inflation on the expenditure side. And so we have a situation where state income taxes and sales tax collections have been growing. The state is doing well because of that, but local governments have very limited to, in the case of the city of Milwaukee, no access to sales tax or income tax revenue. They do have access, They so, so they are really reliant on the property tax in addition to their state aids. And the property tax growth is severely restricted by very stringent property tax levy limits imposed by the state. So that's why the state is a high inflation environment is not good on the expenditure side. But if you're collecting income and sales taxes, you're going to be generating more revenue. That plus what the federal government did in the wake of the pandemic really allowed state government to reap some very substantial financial benefits. Local governments did as well, but those benefits for the local governments were much more one-time in nature. And that's another part of the dynamic here is that that federal pandemic relief aid runs out after 2024. You know, and Brian, I'd like to make an important point here that we're we're having these conversations and the legislature and the governor are are working with local government for another really important reason. This is not just Milwaukee. Uh, I was in a little village called Rui that's in the middle of Iowa County a couple of weeks ago. Rui has an annual budget of a ballpark $240,000. They own exactly one snowplow. It's 37 years old. And they own one municipal truck. It too is 37 years old but they know the battery's good because all of the lights on the dashboard keep flashing. They have, on a $240,000 budget, 
they were just handed a $160,000 repair bill for their water tower and municipal water system. They don't have the money to pay that. Uh, there's a city up north that I will not name that if there's a 911 call for an ambulance outside the city, they can't roll their fire trucks because they don't have enough firefighters to man the truck at a minimal level. The problem is Milwaukee's not unique. This problem is everywhere in Wisconsin, and it's, it's the system. It's broken. You know, as you pointed out, the state is, has this almost embarrassing surplus revenues, while local governments are, you don't want to say going broke, but local governments are not able to make ends meet. Now, the good so, news is when the system's broken like that, you can fix it. Well, and, and that's just where we're in a spot now where because the state is flush with money, it seems there's been more of a willingness to say, OK, politics aside, we've got to do something. And this isn't just affecting the city of Milwaukee, as you mentioned, it's affecting communities all across the state, many of them in Republican strongholds. So there, there's a political will to do something. Has that lessened some of the tension just because there's a big war chest to play with here? I don't know. I used to have a full head of hair before this discussion started. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd agree that the tensions are less. But there's a determination from virtually every legislative leader I've talked with and the governor. There is a determination to get this done. Uh, we're fighting about the details, not about... And, and the big concept is dedicate a penny of the state sales tax to funding local government. That concept has bipartisan... I won't say universal, but extremely strong support. Now we're going to fight about the details, and the details are important. With the proposal that is on the table right now, would uh, send $227 million in additional revenue to local governments. Is that good? Is that enough? How does your organization feel about that? <sighs> you know, when you've, when you've had 20 or in some cases 30 years of stagnant revenues, is it going to replace everything that inflation has eaten? No. But it is more money than we've put into local government in a generation. And that's a great thing. That's not a good thing. That is a great thing. So what I'm going to testify to the state assembly today is, while this bill doesn't solve every problem out there, it is a generational huge step in the right direction that will help nearly all local governments in Wisconsin get to where they need to be. I heard Milwaukee Alderman Mark Borkowski yesterday tell our uh, political reporter, Jason Calvi, that uh, you know the, the state has the gold and he who has the gold rules. And so they rule right now. There are a lot of strings attached to this money. Um, in the city of Milwaukee alone, there are strings that uh, you've got to have 25 school resource officers. You've got to not cut any uh, staffing for, for police any further give some of the powers uh, that the Fire and Police Commission has back to the, the police chief and fire chief. And uh, even the streetcar is a piece of it. No spending on development uh, or operation uh, of expansion uh, expansions to the streetcar. Well, with those kinds of strings are attached is, I mean, I, I've heard it described by some as a gun to the city of Milwaukee's head. How do you feel about that? And does Milwaukee have a choice here? Okay. The short answer to your question is no. Um, Milwaukee doesn't I mean, Milwaukee needs this partnership with the state to be rekindled. It absolutely must have it. Uh, although I would argue, so Rui is in the same place, so is Rhinelander, so is Kadat, Wisconsin. We have to have this partnership reinvigorated. 
Um, you know, the Wisconsin legislature is going to rightfully say, hey, look, if we're going to put in a once-in-a-generation size financial commitment to local governments, you know, we, we've got a right to ask some hard questions. Um, Mayor Chevy Johnson has been absolutely incredible in working with the legislature, working with the governor, working with everyone he can find to get to a place that he can live with. Uh, I believe the mayor thinks they can live with this package, by and large, and I, I'm not going to second-guess the mayor on that one. Yes, there are strings attached, but the resources are critical. Rob, I see you're back, and I don't know if this is a good question for you. I know Jerry just, just handled it, but we're talking about the strings attached to this money, and I wonder, in terms of this kind of structure of finance, are strings attached to shared revenue? Have they been part of this? throughout the history of shared revenue, or is some of this relatively new? I think the the specific strings for the shared revenue uh, are new. Uh, you know, clearly there's been a fight over time about uh, state governments and versus and, and its ability to set policy for, for local units of government versus the issue of local control. But I think in this case, tying this critical lifeblood um, of, our, of city government and county government in Milwaukee to other non-fiscal factors uh, is, is unique. That said, I think that there are also some of these strings which one could craft an argument are very appropriate given the impact that pension liabilities have had on both city and county finances in Milwaukee to say, hey, look, as, as part of this agreement to help you out with this problem, we are going to demand some permanent change. I, I certainly think that a legitimate case for that can be made. So I'm going to wrap this up and let, let you guys get to this hearing. But here's the kind of where we are now. There's been a lot of work on the front end to get to the point of this proposal being where it is. But it's not across the finish line. In fact, it's a long way from that. What do you think are the biggest things that need to be ironed out for this to get across the finish line? And is there a chance this could still fall apart? I'll let you each uh, take a, a shot at that. I think the critical issue here is whether this is going to need to go to a referendum or not. And and here, interestingly, is where the governor and the legislative leaders uh, who have submitted this proposal agree that they're, the requirement is, if this is going to happen, if you are going to have this additional sales tax authorization, then the voters are going to have to approve that. Now, that doesn't have anything to do with the state shared revenue. So the shared revenue increase ostensibly could still occur. But without that sales tax revenue, Milwaukee County and the city of Milwaukee are still in very dire fiscal condition. And the catch here is that it's hard for me as the leader of the Wisconsin Policy Forum to argue against going to citizens and asking them to vote. The problem is, while we who know government finance can see that if this sales tax happens and if the requirement is that the first use of these monies have to go to pay down pension liabilities, that that indirectly will benefit all of the services that people value in these two governments because they won't have to devote their property tax levy uh, to supporting their pension liabilities. Instead, they can devote it to parks and transit and police and the sheriff and the courts, et cetera. Um, but it's tough to to draw that line. And so if, if now you have to go to voters and say, hey, will you support a sales tax so that these governments can pay down their pension liabilities, that is going to be a much more difficult referendum to see approved. And so an argument could be made, hey, legislators, if you're trying to do the right thing here by trying to ensure that these pension messes are permanently cleaned up, maybe you should just give the authority to do the sales tax to the governments themselves and not the voters. 
And so I think how that is resolved um, is both going to be sticky, but ultimately may determine just how much this package helps both governments. Yeah, well, real quickly, I absolutely agree with Rob. I think that the referendum is the key question. I mean, I, having been involved in local government forever, I have a lot of faith in voters. They love their communities. They want to support their communities. The challenge that I see for Milwaukee is there's no plan B. I mean, it's it's referendum passes or we all hold hands and jump over a cliff and lay off 500 police officers. That's I, I think that's too big a risk. And, you know, if I were to king of the world, I, I would say I'm sorry, but this is one that the Common Council and the county board should have to deal with. Um, just simply because the plan B, there is no plan B possible. Uh, beyond that, I think the mid to large local governments are still going to be a little bit pinched with the way the formula works. But then the only other thing is, is there going to be another shoe that drops somewhere along the line? I, I don't think so. I, I think leadership wants to get this done. We certainly want to get this done. Um, it's just a matter of all of us holding hands and staying away from the cliff. Well, the Assembly Committee on Local Government is uh, getting close to convening, so I'm going to let you gentlemen go. Uh, thank you so much for both being here. Jerry DeShane with the League of Wisconsin Municipalities, Rob Henkin with Wisconsin Policy Forum. Thank you so much for your generous time today. Thanks so much for having us. It was a good time, Brian. Thank you. Now, our executive producer, Sarah Smith, is not available right now. We're going to skip the off-the-record segment for this week and just uh, wrap it up and say, if you have a topic you would like us to discuss here on Open Record or an issue you think we should investigate for Fox 6 News, send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible, including our executive producer, Sarah Smith, and editor, Dave Machuda. And please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you do your podcast listening. With that, I'm Brian Polson. We'll be back next week. Thank you.